0: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM
1: 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
2: Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good.
1: Congratulations to your bears last night.
2: (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot. I was uh, shocked to see that when I woke up this morning. I can't stay up that late to watch those games. Area
1: love Chicago. Um, off topic. Um, let's go back on topic. Uh, the stock market. It's been kind of crazy in the start of November. Uh, certainly carrying that torch of crazy.
2: Yeah, um, I think you, you know one of the ironic things here is that we finally got the uh, the really good piece of economic news that uh, I think has been missing for some time, and you know ever since then, you know the market has not acted well. Um, I, Talking specifically about the October employment report, which was much stronger than expected, and the stock market kind of stalled out after that, and um, you know, and we're seeing some some early weakness here, um, which I think you know is largely a case of a recognition that you know uh, that, that the market was overbought on a short term basis, and that the run you saw beginning you know at the start of October, kind of got ahead of itself and, and got valuations a little stretched. Um, Uh, before interest rates went up. And then now you have uh, interest rates that have risen noticeably in recent weeks that are, you know, calling into question some of those uh, stretched valuations. And so I think you're seeing some overdue consolidation here. And now everyone's going to sit back and watch and see, you know, what subsequent uh, economic releases do show and, and whether the Fed can, in fact, raise rates in December.
1: Let's talk a little bit about that i've been saying on air that we're kind of a shift it's kind of a transmission that may be a little bit low on transmission fluid that is we're popping from second gear to third gear and that shift being higher interest rates and the market dealing with it um what do you expect the transition to be as we we i guess i shouldn't use gears maybe because we don't know if we're downshifting or upshifting Mm -hmm. um with higher interest rates
2: well there's certainly been a lot of Commentary out there anyway that would suggest markets sure. market shouldn't have any problem dealing with you know the the first rate increase. You know you go from essentially the zero bound to what many people think you know will be a, just a 25 basis point increase. So so the actual level, of the Fed funds rate uh, is not being looked at as as too concerning, and most of the narrative surrounds uh, not not the issue with the first rate hike, but what comes after that? You know, what is the pace of tightening following that? Um, The Fed has, of course, reminded everyone that it thinks it can move gradually. Um, The risk, I think, for the market as we look into 2016 is that uh, if you get more data that has the same strong quality that the October Employment Report data did, all of a sudden things get upset because then you have to question whether the Fed can, in fact, move as gradually, as it has said, it thinks it can move. And you get the market a little freaked out by the idea that uh, the Fed is, you know, perhaps behind the curve with its tightening action. So um, so I think, you know, like it or not, you know, we're stuck still with monetary policy being a major overhang for the market in 2016. Uh, We're going to continue to have to talk about it, uh, and we're going to have to continue to, unfortunately, live and die, it seems, with each economic release to determine, you know, uh, what the path of the Fed funds rate will be. Um, so I expect further roller coaster action, if you will. Um, you know, I don't know what the immediate reaction will be on a first rate increase. Uh, probably depends on you know how the market traded leading up to that particular move. Um, but expect more volatility.
1: Okay, um, you brought up something along the lines of. Uh, market might freak out i I think that was your word market might get upset uh, <clears throat> for me who are, is in my forties uh for your children who I'm guessing might be anywhere from 20 or under market freakouts are wonderful things market freakouts are back sixty right or should it be rebalancing things now
2: right well i suppose you know you you touched on it there you know when you talk about rebalancing you know what what was your Uh, investment balance, you know, where you if you're in your 60s and you're, you know, in 90% stocks and all of a sudden things get really ugly, you know, that's not a good position to be in. So um, it is admittedly a a tough question to answer in a general sense because everyone's needs and risk tolerances are are different, of course. Um, But, you know, what we've seen in recent weeks here, in the past week in particular, or really since the Fed Directive on October 28th, is that you've seen a really sharp upward adjustment in market interest rates um, and, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, could create some issues for bondholders uh, in coming months, if not years, uh, if we get into position of where the market thinks that the Fed is behind the curve and, you know, you start seeing interest rates move up sharply and so you see subsequent, you know, losses uh, in your bond positions if you're needing to sell them prematurely. So... So that's an issue that people are going to have to contend with, Um, you know, as we move ahead here and the Fed kind of uh, disentangles itself from its really accommodative policy. Now, what you ideally want to see, though, is the Federal Reserve raising rates because things are, in fact, good. You know, we should be cheering good economic news. And the equity markets uh, certainly can handle higher rates um, if they aren't being driven by good economic news that is going to feed into stronger earnings prospects. And right now there's some questions that are hanging over the market as to whether things are, in fact, strong enough and good enough, um, you know, as the Fed likes to paint the picture, to, you know, raise interest rates. And uh, and I think that's why you're seeing some of this continued volatility here, is that there's still not a, a consensus view that the market believes that the Fed is raising interest rates for the right reasons.
1: What else are you working on right now that you think is going to be interesting for our listening audience to hear?
2: Well, you know, one of the things uh, I will be working on is, you know, as we're about ready to turn the page from 2015 to 2016. And, you know, what that means is that you're going to have a new uh, structure in the Federal Open Market Committee uh, in terms of who's voting and um so i'm going to be uh, basically profiling uh, looking at profiling you know the new voters uh, on the 2016 FOMC um and you know the early sense of things is they'll probably have a you know a slightly more hawkish tilt than the current set of voters will and we know going into 2016 certainly that Uh, the existing committee seems to be inclined or seems to really want to raise interest rates. And um, I think that that will carry through uh, through 2016 as well. So I'll be looking more into um, uh, apprising our readers of of who those voters are going to (laughs) be.
1: Speaking to Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com, kind of a question that you may not want to answer. With rising interest rates, should we start positioning ourselves in bonds? Should we wait for them to rise and even more important, like a bigger question to me is, is the old model of, you know, like 60-40 stocks and bonds, is it broken? Is there a place for bonds? Should bonds be replaced by REITs? Should bonds be replaced by high-quality dividend-paying stocks? What are your thoughts on the whole REIT debate going on these days?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I certainly think that there there's always a place uh, for bonds. Um, you'll, you know, you'll see that they will continue to be a safe haven. Okay. for any number of reasons, uh, no matter what's going on within the stock market cycle. But you also have to take into account, I think, the the strong demographic factor that will come into play, too, uh, that as, you know, baby boomers move into the retirement years and, and the leading edge of those baby boomers gets older and, and less risk-tolerant, you know, they're going to want to make sure that they can uh, preserve their capital. And so there's always going to be a position for bonds in one's investment portfolio. Um, so... You know, you have to kind of uh, uh, figure out, what you know, what your needs are, what your time horizons is, what your risk tolerances are to determine, you know, ultimately what type of balance you, you want to have. Uh, but with people living longer now because of advances in medicine, you probably do have to take into account that you need to have more growth in that portfolio than you, you might have allotted for in years past uh, in some of your uh, older years, if you will, um, and perhaps maybe look toward achieving that growth uh, through increasing your stock allocation or improving your income uh, growth through these high dividend, uh, not high dividend yielding, but the quality dividend payers who, you know, have a long history of raising their dividends. So there's a nice, you know, potential income component there if you can ride out some of the volatility that will take place within the stock market.
1: Thanks very much. I'm Rob Black talking with briefing.com about the stock market and how to, position ourselves with, uh, you know, the volatility and the turbulence that has hit us recently. got a little bit of a sore throat, sorry, people. So I'm using a a lighter voice than I typically have. But uh, Patrick O'Hare, always great chief market analyst with briefing.com and giving us some uh, perspective on the markets. I'll post that a little bit later in my Cron4 website, which is my Cron4 Facebook page, which is Rob Black, Cron4 Rob Black. I'll post on Twitter, uh, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One credit card perk that very few people use. What do you think the one credit card perk that very few people use is? It's a price guarantee. And, you know, no matter the name, many credit card issuers and networks, including Discover, City, and MasterCard, offer consumers refunds for the difference in price should they find that item at a lower price later on. Discover will refund up to $500 if you find your item at a lower price within 90 days of making a purchase. City says it will refund the difference in price of up to $300 per item if its price finding service discovers a lower price within 60 days of the purchase. And MasterCard said it'll refund up to $250 within 60 days. Uh, That's epic money. That's big money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.